0: feel most of our uh, my nieces and nephews actually look up to the business and have this emotional attachment and this pride in Iwan Maktari.
1: Your business is so... And I'm going to weave it into weave it into the conversation about... <laughs> Literally. <for the>
0: <laughs> my hometown is Beirut, and I'm always a little bit homesick for Beirut, of course. I think you also adore Cairo, even for if sure. you don't want to live there today. We love the... Chaos. We love the. Aj- uh, we love the. For
1: five days. <laughs> Welcome to the Lighthouse Conversations. This is a podcast featuring entrepreneurs and tastemakers from the worlds of arts, culture, tech, and food. I'm your host Hashem Montasser. If you're joining us for the first time today, hit the follow button in your podcast player to get alerted when we have a brand new episode. If you're using Apple Podcasts, for example, it's the plus sign in the top right corner. You can also listen to our extensive catalog of previous episodes in your podcast app or on our website at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast. This is my attempt to enunciate. I'm joined today by Mohammed Maktabi, the CEO of Iwan Maktabi, a third-generation business that was started by his grandfather, Hussein Maktabi, who emigrated from Iran and reached Lebanon through Syria in 1911. We talk about how the business has evolved since then, how the family's second brand, Iwan Maktabi, started out and continues to evolve and thrive to this day. We also talk about why he decided to move to Dubai after the 2020 Beirut explosion. Muhammad uh, so nice to have you here. It's
0: nice to be here.
1: Uh, this has been a long time coming. Um, I've been... Obviously, following you and following your family's business for many, many years, we're reminiscing about the early days. Well, not early so much, but some, you know, way back over 10 years in Beirut. I want to start at this particular point because your family history is so intertwined with uh, the region's history in many ways. I was going to say just Lebanon, but it's actually not the case, as you've educated me. So it actually has been intertwined with a lot of what's happened in the region, good and bad. So get let's get from a starting point. When you started with this business, at the time, your father was in charge of the business?
0: My father with his, uh, with his siblings, yes. And
1: they were second generation?
0: They were second generation. So the first generation was my grandfather. Who immigrated from Isfahan in Iran to Syria because he used to do uh, commerce between Baghdad and Damascus. So he immigrated there and then from there moved to Beirut. What
1: year did he move to Beirut? In
0: 1911.
1: Okay, wow. Okay.
0: So this is where my father was born en route in Damascus, but the the rest of his brothers, they were seven in total, were born in Beirut. Okay. So uh, that was, my grandfather was the first generation. My Fathers and his brothers were the second generation. And then uh, me and my five sisters or the are third the uh, generation. third generation.
1: And the business obviously started like a lot of trading businesses, which makes sense. So they were sourcing probably mostly from Iran, bringing to the Levant and selling it as totally. one would.
0: I have, I have memory of um, a letter I saw with my father that was written by my grandfather. And that was to be sent to a provider in Kashan, so my grandfather was ordering. I want, uh, f- f- for example, ten Kashan carpets, dark and blue, in size three by two. I want fifteen in this size. I want so they were uh, so it was like a commodity. Yeah, yeah. They were not seeing the carpets or inspecting them. There was certain types, and they were ordering
1: them. And they were bringing them to the Levant, and you were selling them at the time trade sales or was there from the, always a retail shop from the beginning no
0: beirut 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 stores were either uh, in the free zone in the yeah. free, in the port of beirut where there were a lot of tourists coming all over the world and buying uh, buying carpets and they were being shipped all over the world or retail store in uh, hamra district hamra yeah. be beirut yeah. so the company was called hassan maktabi and sons hassan being my grandfather and his sons and I remember when I was a kid, we used to go there. There were like uh, huge buses filled with each bus with like 50 tourists. They would stop by the shop uh, at the entrance of the shop and would go down and they would go in like, muzaharat.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll
0: uh, I'll they would go, they would go uh, and the, the salespeople would go with like uh, packs of Pepsi and 7up open for them and <laughs> give everybody one like this. And then they would sit. My father would give a talk on the carpets this is a type Turkish carpet this is a Persian carpet, everybody would choose one, they would be packed they would pay on by credit card like the old way and then they would be packed, they would write on every package by hand the name of the and the address of the, the person so there was going to Norway, going to the USA, going to Canada going to Switzerland, so this was the early 70s, the business this was from Beirut to all over the world and
1: did you spend
0: you and your siblings a lot of time
1: in the shop? Yeah. I mean, how, what was your first early exposure to this business?
0: So, I used to go as a kid mm. during my vacation time. It, and was, work in the this shop. This was my playground. Okay. So I would go jump on the stacks of carpets, <laughs> okay. and then in the afternoon I would eat, and then I would sleep. I would nap, and then I would go back with my uh, father at home in the evening. So I had like my bike outside the store and I would play. But so it was ingrained. Uh, was from, it ingrained
1: in all of you or you as the male? So fu- funny heir. enough,
0: it was, I was the only son to five. Both. S- That's sisters. what I meant. So so I was the one. Who went to, with To him. be groomed as the uh parent. Fast forward to 95, my father was quite the open-minded person. And he had a lot of uh, ideas, a lot of projects in his mind. They were all carpet-related, so he wanted to do tribal carpets. He wanted to do uh, antique and uh, obscure carpets, and he wanted to do a lot of things. His brothers were more rigid in the uh, in the sense of uh, they the traditional the mother, business as a the was. mother company. Yeah, and I was back then working for the mother company with my cousins. We were all working. I was based in Saudi Arabia and Riyadh. We had a shop. In Switzerland, we, had, uh, we used to sell wholesale for all of Europe. But I was based in Riyadh. My father decides he cannot wait anymore for his dreams to come true. So he opens a small shop, calls it Iwan Maktabi, and puts my two sisters there and fills it with tribal carpets and nomadic <laughs> carpets. All the things his, he couldn't do. From his travels. Yeah. Why Iwan? Mm. This is his choice of uh, name. I was going to ask you was very particular. He went to a professor of Arabic uh, literature in AUB and asked him, he told him, we are originally from Iran, but we are uh, living in Beirut. I need to open a carpet shop for my daughters. What shall I call it? I don't want to call Abbas, Maktabi and sons, like my father did. He said, Iwan Kisra was the throne room of the Shah of Iran that was, Run over by the Arabs. It was the only, the first Persian Shah and um, Persian Empire capital that was run over by the Arabs. The Arabs went inside the Iwan, the throne room of Kisra and and they discovered a great carpet that was adorning the throne room. It was so beautiful and filled, and uh, inside it, there were precious stones embedded in it. They cut it and took, took it back home to Arabia, and Al-Buhturi and other poets mentioned this carpet, which was called the Spring poetry. of Khosrow, in their poetry. So, so the Iwan was the first place where Persian and Arab cultures intertwined. Met, intertwined, and the story of a carpet came out of it. Your name should be Iwan Maktabi, That's and hence nice. the name.
1: So... So this was on the side, and then what happened? Did the two businesses just separate completely? Did so one die was, out? Was, and...
0: So he took a small shop in Verdun, and uh, classically, it's a male-dominated business. Oh wow. There were these two girls, Mona and Zena, uh, fresh out of college, selling carpets, putting their touch, doing a beautiful window display, while we other and other carpet uh, entities were just... You know, stacking carpets.
1: Yeah, stacking, yeah, yeah. The stacking, old school way. The yeah. old school. Yeah, yeah,
0: The business took off immediately. All of Beirut, they were, I won't say lining up, but like everybody was snatching. Every time they put a nice uh, window display, people would go and say, Buy I buy this. Where did this go? I want it. So I was between both businesses. I was helping my sisters because they didn't have experience in operating a business. So I would take off like a day, uh, go and say, okay, let's do this. This is how you need to do the stock. This is how you need to do the accounting. This is how you do the bank account, stuff like that. And then the business grew so big and I was in Riyadh and I felt that the, I was needed in Ewan. So I told my father, I'll take one year of sabbatical from the mother company. I will go, let me help my sisters. Let us put some processes in the business and then I'll return. I never looked back. <laughs> That was it. That was it. I was hundred percent. Iwan. won. And that other business is still there. So the other business eventually. Uh, so the 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 rest of the cousins, like the uncles and the cousins, slowly, slowly, uh, it, it withered away. Like ten okay. years. So everybody left like we did, and opened something uh, different, different, or then lo- they lost interest. Some cousins were not interested. They went into media. They went into tech and stuff like that.
1: That's an amazing story, yeah. Huh? I mean yeah. it tells you also So so this is actually a great uh, example of what I feel for, as an outsider you and your siblings have done with this business since essentially a constant process of reinvention. You know, you went from as you said the stacking of the carpets wholesale old school style to curation, essentially, with window display, etc. well said. Yeah, you know, and then you 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 started introducing contemporary
0: alongside traditional carpentry and rare and all and antiques and all of that, right? So basically, what we we had our ear close to the ground, so we'd always listen to what our clients, how our clients were reacting to whatever we were offering. So but it all started really with the vision of my father to follow what he loves mm. that was really the beginning mm. so we were trying so when we would travel we would uh, we would i would seek like my father was seeking for something unusual rare not seen and just go deep into it and not rely on something usual and classical.
1: But you were procuring, and, and I want to make the difference here that it was mostly procuring, whether it's rare or special, as opposed to producing. They're so we started. Yes,
0: we started providing. We started selling our clients. Pre existing exactly. from tribes, from cities. Exactly. You're giving me something I haven't tell, seen that tell the stories of the people, and we were not creating. That's what I mean. As we advance, as we advance, and we started growing the business more and more, and we started working with a lot of architects, and the interior architects and decorators are so important for our business because a lot of clients, when they have a new house, they ask for an interior architect to come and help them for decoration. Or for some projects, they need an interior architect to to choose the carpets for this project. So we were working with more professionals, not only homeowners, and they were asking for things that were difficult to find. So I would go kill myself and find this rare, unseen antique Serapi in a specific size with ivory background or without a medallion because most of the carpets had a medallion. I kill myself. I say, yes, here you are, I found it for you. He goes, next week he comes and says, I, I need another one the same. I say, are you serious? <laughs> this is unique. Yeah. This is a one-off. How can I get you another one? I want more of the unique. So basically they were asking for a look that could be repeated and then to be changed according to their needs. Yeah. So the need to have a bespoke business just emerged emerged yeah it was a need i went to nepal and i started uh, doing like the rest of the big american companies who are in the carpet business is create our own designs in nepal because nepal has a very old tradition of carpet weaving coming from tibet interesting so we were producing in nepal we're producing in turkey as well we produced uh, in afghanistan and pakistan all these areas where they would take our direction and give us product that is fitting our needs and demands.
1: And that's still the case today? Those are your production centers? uh, Yeah, still the case. And and I find that fascinating because now you've introduced another part here, which is your love of art. So you, I I have since I've known you, you've collected art, you're very involved in the kind of arts and culture scene, and you started collaborating with artists as well. And to me, this was very interesting because many of those artists did not think of carpets, did not think of mediums
0: outside of their traditional mediums, being, you know,
1: canvas and and so on and so forth.
0: You see, everything, everything happens by osmosis, especially in Beirut. In Beirut, the communities are close together, so we are close to the artists that we... So when we go to exhibitions, we meet the artists, they come to our homes, we go to their studios. Uh, And we started appearing in Beirut, people started seeing us as the carpet company that is, um, how shall I say, preserving the craft of weaving. So when I sit with Ayman Balbaki and I talk about his paintings, we talk about carpets. I say, why don't you, let's try, shall we try and do your painting into carpet? So we did the carpet for Ayman Balbaki. We did a project called One Carpet for Love some 15 years ago, which basically we asked, we did a list of people, artists and creatives, architects, and asked them to provide us with an image of a carpet they want to produce in any shape, form, material, anything they want. And we'd produce it, and then the first edition of this carpet would be sold, and the proceeds would go for charity. So this initiative was called One Carpet for Love. We work with a lot of artists, Marwan Sahmarani. We work with uh, Bokja. We work with Orient Four Nine Nine. So we work with all the so creative uh, names around us in Beirut. We worked for Etel Adnan. We did her tapestries. So we have a lot of a big roster of uh, collaborate uh, collaborations. We did with David and Nicola. We did with Karen Shekergian. Yeah, no, a I mean, all, so carpet, many, so, so many. So yes, so the list goes on.
1: How important is that for you? Because I Beirut is in that sense a little village. And like you said, that sense of collaborate collaboration, collaborative spirit, uh, the sense of community amongst the people, the creative community was very high. I grew up in Cairo, it was very similar. Everybody knew each other in that community and therefore collaborations, which now we call collaborations. And it's very formal, where literally, you know, just, yeah, yeah the, Muhammad right. goes and has it's tea a with X, together. Over uh, uh, with Fingan Ahu. Exactly. <laughs> Fingan Ahu. maybe is there, or one of her associates, and well, you know, let's think about that. I'll come over, we'll talk. And I think it's something, obviously, we are, in some ways, trying to replicate, or we want to create its own dynamic here in Dubai, because I think you don't have a cohesive... A community, and you don't have also homo- the homogeneous community we have. I mean, in Beirut it's mostly Lebanese, in Egypt it's mostly Egyptians, etc. So, Fa- I ha- I have a question for you, really, more than anything else. How do we try to create some of that here? That's not forced. That actually is organic.
0: Ah. Oh. Not forced. You just added it at the yeah, end. Yeah, This is the most because, important. Because, one, yes, because, <laughs> no, that is the most now, important. Yes, the, the,
1: because the first did... one. Sah. Yeah, I can book a soap, hashem or lighthouse or maklebi, and we we put an instant. That's not what I'm interested in. I'm talking about. But actually,
0: I am living this now, as we speak. I'm living this not forced way. It's happening slowly but surely. Let me tell you why. Please. When I moved, so. My business in Dubai started when we rented the shop with Dubai Mall. The day Dubai Mall opened its stores, it had an Iwan Maktabi in it. So this is probably 14 years ago. I used to go back and forth, but my sister was running the Dubai operation because I was concentrating on Beirut. After the explosion, I woke up one day in Beirut. I said, I want to live in a city that's operational. It was very personal. So I up and moved to Dubai. Big step for you, huh? Uh, so now I spent you are, six months... You were very embedded in Beirut. I was very local. Yeah. I, was, I yeah. used to say I am in Beirut. Who wants to yeah. comes to me? Sheik al we, we, we all came to <laughs> you.
1: We all came <laughs> to kiss the ring many times, yeah.
0: Sometimes <laughs> you threw the ring at our
1: face, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's not talk about this ill-fated... <laughs> night please (laughs) everybody you're right i mean your house was somewhat of an open house everyone came by a lot of friends very very generous and you always came and were meet people you didn't know i met a lot of people in your circles uh from that creative
0: community which was great beirut was is a magical place that is very generous and gives a lot so beirut gave us a lot that's true But after this really painful uh, day, and after the explosion when my house was completely uh, destroyed and I was in the house, I decided. I felt. I felt I needed, in order for me to process all this, I needed to be just a little. Was it
1: that day, Muhammad? Because this. No,
0: it's actually one year to the day when we were celebrating the first, when we were commemorating the first. That's when you left. The one year explosion. This is the day I decided, uh, I felt like the whole wall was falling on my back. I said, no, I fixed my house. I fixed my gallery. I fixed the other house. I fixed the other gallery. I fixed everything. Everything was back to normal. I said, I have to leave. Ah, that's so interesting. Yeah. So one year, literally 12 months later, I moved to Dubai, rented uh, my place in Jumeirah, which now is like my uh, haven. And uh, so I started engaging with the local community here. We took uh, a space in our circle. We called it our lab,
1: which is great, yeah.
0: Where we do our research and development, where we talk with creatives and talk about stories, how we can turn stories into carpets. And I did a project called Terminal G, Terminal Gulf, which was I picked through, with a curator, I picked uh, creatives from all over the Gulf to tell stories of modern life living in the Gulf. That's so interesting. And we launched it last year in downtown design during Dubai Design Week, and we launched four collections with Sultan bin Fahd, who is a Saudi artist, with two sisters, the Bendahar sisters who are from the Emirates, we, with a Kuwaiti conceptual artist. Her name is Asil al and we are adding on this terminology every year we launch new uh, collections. So, how does this? So, it was a bit forced because I had a curator. I gave the project a name. I identified the talents. We distributed the stories and asked them to translate them into carpet. How does this now is translate? How is this translating? People today, now, yeah. today, I notice people knock on our door or when they see, say, Muhammad, you're the one that I want to see. Say, Khair, Shufi, what's going Said I have an idea for a carpet. Mm. So, these conversations are starting. starting by nature, normally, just by meeting during a gallery opening or meeting in a dinner party or somebody uh, coming inside al Ccal and say, "By the way, have a look, what do you think? Can I do this? Can I do this so it's you have to start somewhere so yes, we put the initial push that's great, but now people look look at us as uh, enablers of translating a vision into i love that idea a woven product that's it
1: i love that idea and i like the i love the concept of storytelling um because i mean art in so many ways is, is telling stories and giving points of view and people don't think of carpets necessarily or the woven medium yeah as the first medium when you think about that so that's very interesting and you know i mean Perhaps you needed to do it this way here because you needed to almost introduce the idea into people's heads.
0: So what we did is we kind of, we kind of uh, did what we have been doing in Beirut slowly but surely over the years. We did it in like two years. Yeah. So we did exhibitions, we did projects, we did uh, lectures on carpets, we did shows of historical carpets, we showed uh, our uh, private collection of antique carpets, We did, and Sir Kyle gave us this uh, platform. They're fantastic like that. The space was really nice for this. So people saw all of this and uh, they made their own conclusions. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, I think it made sense here to have this type of platform almost for people to understand... And also because, frankly, I, I have experiences with the Lighthouse as well. We've been around for six years now. And we had to work a bit harder to create this sense of community.
0: I always say it's, uh, Dubai is like a milfeuille. You know, there are layers, yeah, and, layers and layers. But these layers, are not there are no staircases between them. That's very true. So each community is living by itself and thriving. But sometimes they are missing this connection this like invasion of one layer into the other which happens in cairo and beirut
1: It's very true yeah i think that's very true i I am still look i've been living here since 2005 and until today i still get um I, i get sense of communities that have you know that you know nothing about yeah you know because it's so diverse uh so many different nationalities there are communities that congregate obviously by you know race and nationality and all of that, and then there's communities that are creating on
0: lifestyle but things are changing in dubai things are changing now. I notice, for example, if I go early to my Dubai mall shop, so it opens at ten, but if I go at nine and I walk, I see the same people mm, I see the same people if I go to and that's to the May dubai mall, M- mall community, <laughs> yes, so basically <laughs> yeah. you know what it is. I discovered that Dubai Mall is a community center. Yes. People go there for their doctor, for their... Uh, so it's actually a community center. Yeah. So they go for the doctor, for the pharmacy, to buy from the supermarket. So it's not just a mall. The so, of Emirates is the same. Yeah, so it is a community center. Now, uh, when I go to walk on the Sunset Beach, where I live, now I say hello to everybody. I see yeah. people coming from Barari to walk every Saturday on the beach. So there is a community, but we just have to keep our eyes open.
1: So now that you're going to, uh, is this, can we talk about uh, your plans or is that uh, something we can not yeah, talk about? Sure. It's too late now. So- <laughs> <laughs> sure, if, you, if you push, i Sorry. Show Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when we come back, Mo and I talk about assimilating a creative community organically, why he's looking forward to the next generation of his family business and more. That's right after the short break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Lighthouse Conversations with my guest, Muhammad Maktabi. Can we talk about uh, your plans or is that uh, something we can't yeah, talk sure, about? Khalas, sure. It's too late now. So- <laughs> <laughs> sure,
0: if you, you push me in <laughs> the deep end <laughs> sure, yani, sure, and, sure, and, and then you ask me if I yeah, can swim. Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so now that you are moving to Jumeirah, which I think is a great idea, by the way, because I think Dubai Mall, I'm sure for you, was a great place to start. And, and not start. I mean, you spent, what, seven years? How many years have you been no, there? No, it was 14 years. 14 years, years yes. Masboud. But I do think you need a bit of that community center uh, idea, concept. And I think Jumeirah obviously has very much that communal feeling. And also, I always, when I think of Maktabi, I feel like you need to be near the water in your own space. Salah. You
0: see, if I, if I want to emulate what we did in Beirut and what we used to in our hometown, which is you go, you pick the best shop location on the best streets you can afford. You have beautiful window, you put your name and you're open for business. Dubai offered us the Dubai Mall opportunity, which was really fantastic because everybody knew like yes. not only the UAE, all the region yes, knew Iwan Well non regional as well because yes, it gives you any you know I remember
1: when we opened MOE, I always thought you know D3 was very edgy and cool. But that's what people know. They're like, oh, you're next to Cartier and Apple, and it gives yeah, that true. cachet. And
0: you have this number, this sheer number of uh, people that Sah- are walking inside Sah- the mall volume. every day. But I think having moved to Dubai, I felt I need, I need my place. I need my yeah. neighborhood. Yeah. I need my hood. And Jumeirah, because I live there, it's what I identify with. It has this Dubai vibe that I like and I identify with, and it was normal that we were we we're gonna move to our own standalone store in Jumeirah.
1: And would the idea of the store there be also space that you use for all the things you talked about, talks, uh, seminars, Definitely. Uh, Definitely. events? So yeah,
0: so we're creating, but it's gonna be and and under one roof. Absolutely, and our own. Uh, we, we have a flagship store in Beirut. Now we're going to have a flagship store in Dubai.
1: And are there plans for other uh, flagship stores? Would you envisage more or do you feel in the region?
0: Look, I'm i am uh, I'm still young and kicking, <laughs> but <laughs> I have no um, uh, interest in invading the world. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So let's see what life offers. It's we very take.
1: Wall Street 1990s to invade the world, by the way. I tried that and it's passé and it doesn't really work. I like so your... let
0: us be local, let us be regional, and I think that's good enough.
1: What do you feel you haven't explored? Because you are clearly someone, as I've said, that I've, you and your sisters, frankly, mm. I've admired how you've reinvented the brand. And In fact, continue. I love that word, the sentence you use, that you put your ear to the ground and you're listening. When you put your ear to the ground now, what ideas come to mind that you feel you haven't
0: explored as a brand? People are... So I'm being pushed into into trying out something that has to do with furniture, with wall art, with uh, so th- something is pushing mm. us like this, this in this direction. I don't know how. I don't know how, because hand handcrafted weaving is at the core of Iwan maktabi
1: Yeah, but look at Bokjama. Bogja must started the opposite. And moved into the up reverse direction, right? Yeah.
0: So you can... So as long as it's hand-woven, as long as I can keep our craft people alive mm. uh, and proud of what they're doing, we can try... Does to it scare
1: see. you, though? Do you, do you worry that you would... Because... I remember when I saw Boksha, uh, and we've had them on the podcast, by the way. It, yeah. was, a, it was a party.
0: Yeah, talk about <laughs> of another, course. The it was two, a party. The two ladies are yeah, part of nature. <laughs> and, 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 and
1: I cannot tell you. So I started doing couple therapy in the middle of it, and then I gave up.
0: Yes, I, was like, I, I quit. think it's too... It's I quit. Too, quit. Too, I let you yes, guys you
1: cannot, have that, the rest you of the cannot... conversation. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, something else. Yeah. So they're fantastic. But, you know, we talked a little bit about having a core. When you start moving out of the core,
0: it's nice and sexy, but it's also a bit scary. It's a bit scary. It's uncharted territory, and uh, but fear is also constructive. صح. I think I know for myself. I work be- best under stress. If you leave me, everything pressure. is under uh, yes, under pressure. This is where I perform. If you leave me everything, like uh, you leave me for my time, and this nothing happens. You need to squeeze me into a funnel, and then you get. Uh, Kind of how much do you i
1: know you're very involved in the creative process how much do you worry about turning on the lights so one of the things that we've seen in a lot of businesses like yours that are inherently creative is creative people frankly don't like to look at invoices and uh, talk to banks and do all this stuff but for a business like yours or any business to thrive you need both so how do you uh, manage this gap
0: look I think I, I have enough confidence these days that I, I know that when we create something, it's something that's going pick, to be picked up by the market.
1: But so what the... if it doesn't? What happens? So let's, let's walk through process. I'm just curious because I think there could be people listening to us today that are as creative as, as also creative, thinking about starting a business. And what scares them is that you put out a product tomorrow morning, you put something, mm. a new product, you know, and it doesn't work. Market doesn't take to it. What happens? Interesting. Yeah, I'm just curious. Yeah, and I've never.
0: It... Uh, you see, I've never had because because we do handmade carpet. We don't do mass production.
1: So,
0: so you don't push a button and you have and you have thousands ten tons out. of merchandise that you need to sell immediately. It's a very good point. You already have a sense. So, for example, uh, we launched a collection for I mentioned Taruda for the Bindahir sisters. We launched five. We launched four pieces different designs each one in one color so that was the that was so there was a lot of research and development and everything but for the launch we only had four pieces i had my people already dye the wool and the silk and prepare it for orders more. for more but that was the level of my commitment now, if you're cautious. so but because this is the nature of handmade carpets i cannot produce 1000 square meter of carpets and then launch them it just doesn't work this way because it takes a long time so there was uh, it was received positively so immediately you turned we on added the we added colors to the collection so we had only beige gray and pink suddenly we added copper green and yellow and blue and then i said Shh. go out, go all out and still we cannot produce enough amazing. to to have one of each carpets in Beirut store and in Dubai store, it's a handmade production. So it's never mass produced.
1: So does that mean that you're, because comer- you have a commercial side to the business where you work with uh, hospitality, hotels, restaurants, etc. Is that as a nature of the business less risky? Because Hashem, the lighthouse commissions you for, some, you know exactly what you're going to get. And there's no question of demand, supply and demand, or, or am I so reading pro- this wrong?
0: Pro- projects, Projects definitely are uh, more secure because you don't have to produce produce stock. Of both. So you just have to develop develop samples and techniques and provide the projects with a sample for them then to produce it. So from this side, we love the projects uh, side of the business. But if I have to say something that we invest a lot in, and it's very heavy on us, it's all research and development. For example we are swimming with a sea of samples that we don't know what to do with I have more than 10000 samples So this is our Why investment. don't you
1: produce an artwork out of the samples? Oh, Allah, I tried Did I still
0: you? I'm still one artist I don't want to mention his name he said I want to do something yeah. for you using all your samples yeah please er- come er- er- he, never re- did that. he never came back <laughs>
1: <laughs> but i remember seeing this at hermes where they use all the leather samples and they created a like a line of it it was a bit lame but i yeah. think you can do something much cooler than that yes. but if you have a sample like you have all of these samples i'm sure there's something so, yes. that can be yes so our
0: samples our samples but some of them are still extremely relevant because we go back to them when we want to develop something new but some A lot of them eventually become obsolete and they're just stacked waiting for the great great next idea.
1: How many of your sisters are involved in the business? Uh,
0: Two and a half.
1: Two and a half? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> muskina half
0: no uh, two shireen and mona are fully involved and yasmin who lives in jeddah whenever we do our pop-ups in saudi she's the one who takes care of everything but when there is no pop-up
1: yasmin if you're listening to this i'm not the one who said it and he's the one who said half but i she... think
0: you're a full 100 percent full she agrees yeah. so <laughs> okay bye. i'm gonna
1: say three sisters so this is a fourth generation third generation business did you contemplate a fourth
0: generation? So funny enough, uh, the the fourth generation adores the family business. So there's no rejection of the business and Shmana. no, there's they have I don't better know. shrinks. I see. I don't know. I think <laughs> therapist, I think we sure. left we left a good impression on them or something. No,
1: no. because someone usually like you say you're right, you get this thing, one I reject the business, one I don't want yes, have anything okay. to do with it. Yeah. And then when they're fifty, they regret that they didn't get into the business. You don't have any of this. No,
0: I feel most of our uh, my nieces and nephews actually look up to the business and have this emotional attachment and this pride in Iwan MacTavish. So, uh, for example, I already have my niece, Roya, who uh, graduated as an architect, and she's involved. She does research for the lab for some of the uh, for some of the cultural. Weaving techniques in the region that we are looking into. Uh, my niece Rida uh, is our marketing director. So Rida is the fourth generation. She's the daughter of Shireen. Uh, she's gonna leave for uh, leave the family business for a few years just to return back to us with even more knowledge. Uh, I have my nephew Sharif who live, works for Amazon in Seattle who is tell, very, tell him it's very, very... Enough
1: Amazon He wants exhaust. to... He, this I, was maybe... Tell, halas, it's enough. Sharif, please come
0: back. We, he, we're getting him back. Okay, good. He loves to create products because he's a product uh, designer. And he loves... He adores sitting with weavers on the loom. So I was going to... So I was to this weaver's would hope point. hope for the fourth generation.
1: Because your business is so... And I'm going to weave it into... <laughs> weave it into the conversation about... <laughs> Literally. This fourth generation was... <laughs> The heritage element of this, preservation of heritage, is so vital, right? In the sense of these techniques. I mean, I want to hear from you. Are you seeing this being preserved, generally speaking? Are you finding it harder and harder? Uh, Are there pockets in the world where it is and others where it's neglected? And how do you think about this?
0: Yes, to all the above. So Mm. there is an increased interest in the craft of handmade carpets. but Globally? It's it's in pockets. It's in pockets. Uh, Turkey, where uh, we used to work with 150 villages that used to produce carpets, the number of villages has shrunk, the number of weavers has shrunk, but still there is the interest in the craft is still there. And it's shrunk, but it has because, shrunk because of the uh, because of the industrialization because, because the industrialization. So suddenly more, we lost a lot of the weavers. Uh, and like big, big swath of uh, villages, big numbers of villages, they all left and started working in factories and stuff like that. So well, we lost. Is
1: it typically? Sorry about attack. Is it typically abbanan gid? Is it inherited the same way you see with other
0: techniques? It can be, but it it's can not. be. But it can also be. It's you know from the community, people okay. would come into weaving, then leave weaving. Uh, so some areas, as I said, like Turkey, because of industrialization, has have lost a lot of their weavers and because so the com- commercially the the hand labor became super expensive so you move to a more populated people where there are more people willing to work uh this craft because this craft is difficult don't get don't get disillusioned it's not super easy to weave carpets it takes sure. a lot uh, a lot of perseverance and patience and knowledge and it doesn't pay much yeah so this is why we try to elevate as much as we can uh, to do some carpets in limited edition or stuff like that, just to 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 be able to even pay more for the weaver. To... Do we still have pockets in the Arab world? There are some tribes, in... Uh, probably there are very few in very few. Uh, in UAE. Some tribes in Arabia, a little bit in Jordan, but very few. Egypt is, still has a few uh, weaving.
1: Uh, probably pack- Egypt for local production. I'm I'm assuming, yeah. I mean, for mostly... local
0: production, there's very small export. But uh, yes, mainly for the local companies. like Oriental Weavers and those types of companies. That It's a little
1: sad because I feel like, you know, that is a very key component. Once, if
0: that dies out. Hello, uh, in the UAE, there's a lot of, uh, there's big efforts to uh, preserve the weaving craft. But it's very challenging for, uh, it's very challenging in the modern way of life to to have women still weaving in their homes when they are you know taken by all these uh, attractions of uh, everyday modern life yeah what do you feel
1: in that sense your mission is if you think today about your business and you've accomplished a lot alhamdulillah um, what would you see is your mission
0: you know, I still, I still have a weakness for antique carpets and heirlooms. So it's a good weakness. I have, uh, so I have a passion for always finding this rare white unicorn of a carpet. So it's this is. And always, you travel for them. I travel for them. So we, we, so you have to know where to find them. Be it sometimes in auctions, sometimes in private collections, sometimes when there is like a person dies and they want there is an inheritance or. So so you have to know where these jewels are at all time. And then there is the modern production. Uh, so the pa- my passion is to create something that I'm proud of and that when people use it and somebody comes in the room and says, oh, wow, what is this? So this keeps this always alive by keeping the weavers proud of what they do. I think this is. it's amazing.
1: Uh, Could you ever see the company not being in the family hands? Uh, I'm just curious. In these, any, in
0: these, in these days, everything is, is everything is possible. Everything is possible. Yeah, sure.
1: I'm just curious because yes, obviously, sure, like sure, any, sure. you know, I, I get asked this question, and our business is much, much younger than yours. You know.
0: I mean, we are we are a carpet family, but. I don't think Maktabi is the royal family of carpets. So if it goes into another, it's okay. If somebody is doing something good for the company and he's not okay. holds the Maktabi name.
1: No, but it can also be the Maktabi name just in, you know, a larger company comes in and wants to, you know, yeah, you sure. see this all the time. And do you, you see yourself in Dubai? Is this home? I mean, home in the sense of where you want to be, not home in the sense of like... Now Marshall. I want
0: to be in Dubai. That's for sure. Um, my hometown is Beirut and I'm always a little bit homesick for Beirut. Of course, I think you also adore Cairo even for if sure. you don't want to live there today. For sure. So, of course, we love the chaos. We love the aj'ah. We love the...
1: For five days.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. No, I but th- now I have my, my house in the mountain. That's is, that is a game changer. Yeah, That's different. Yeah, yeah that's a game changer. So, I just built my uh, outdoor kitchen and I need to go and check on it. <laughs> so, I, I think that's a
1: great uh, place to end. If there's any, we will please check on your outdoor kitchen with Aminal and we're going to be very well. <laughs> I send you pictures. pictures. Muhammad. thank you. That <laughs> was a great conversation. Thank you, very much. Thank you so thank you. much. If you enjoyed this episode, you'll also enjoy my conversation with some of Iwan Maktabi's collaborators the ladies behind Boksha, Hoda Barodi and Maria Hibri. The one time my armchair therapy session went completely haywire, as well as my conversation with Milan based Lebanese design Wunderkinder, David Nicola. You'll find links to those episodes in our show notes. Thank you for joining me on the lighthouse conversations. I'm Hasha Montasser, and we're produced by Chirag Desai. You can connect with us on Instagram at the lighthouse underscore podcast for behind the scenes videos and more. Or visit us at thelighthouse.ae slash podcast to listen to all our previous episodes.